0: be with you and I hope you're glad to be with me and looking forward to our time in the Word this morning. Uh, We've laid a foundation for the importance of seeking wisdom and we've talked about that for two or three Sundays and now this morning we are going to get into a specific area of wisdom teaching from the book of Proverbs. And our first topic is sexual promiscuity or bringing our sexuality and our sexual desires under God's wisdom. And some may wonder, do we really need to talk about this in church? Well, we do. Uh, Paul warned against sexual immorality in open letters, many of the open letters that that were to be read in the churches. And in Proverbs, uh, sexual sins are addressed in chapter 2 all of chapter 5, much of chapter 6, all of chapter 7, and again in chapter 9. So if we skip this topic, it would be like we were just cutting a massive section out of the book of Proverbs. All of these passages begin with my son, or hear, O sons, a father's instruction, or something like that. Parents, parents. Especially fathers, one of the most important responsibilities you have is to teach your children sexual purity and to model that for them. Why is this so important to God? Because unlawful sex defiles the good plan of God. It is taking God's masterpiece and throwing garbage on it. It is destroying something beautiful, something God made. God created us sexual beings. just an important element of who you are, who we all are. He created us sexual beings. That is what we are. And God said that is good. He made us a boy or a girl, a man or a woman, in the language of Genesis, he created us male and female. And he said, Go, be fruitful, and fill the earth. That means God designed us for sexual pleasure in marriage. And through the beauty of the sexual relationship, babies would be born and the earth would be filled with people. God commanded that. And he blessed it. It's good and it's holy. The scriptures all throughout confirm the goodness of this gift. Genesis two twenty four and 25, God said, For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's talking about physical relationship, physical love between a man and a woman. And the man and his wife, it says, were both naked and were not Ashamed. Here in our chapter this morning, chapter five, uh, verse eighteen through twenty, says, "Rejoice in the wife of your youth, and be exhilarated always with her love." Oh, I I think the ESV says, "Be intoxicated always with her love." First Corinthians seven three through five says, "Let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband." And stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time. Hebrews 13, verse 4, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. Marriage is honorable. The holy, honorable use of the marriage bed is for the husband and wife in marriage. It is not to be defiled by sex with someone you are not married to, and it says on a very solemn note, or it adds or finishes on a very solemn note, God judges the sexually immoral. Why? Because marriage is sacred. It is holy and good in the eyes of God, and He expects us to treat it that way. Now in the New Testament, and for us as believers in Jesus Christ, the primary reason given for sexual purity is because we are one with Christ. First Corinthians 6:15 through 17. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Or I think the New American Standard says he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Now that scripture reminds us of what I think is probably the most remarkable spiritual blessing that we have. You are one spirit with the Lord Christ is in you Jesus Christ is in you and you are in Jesus Christ you're united so Paul's argument in this passage is to sin sexually means you are taking something your body you're taking something that is united to Jesus and you're sinning with it and that should horrify you and that's what Paul is that's his point in this passage Our spiritual union with Jesus Christ means our bodies do not belong to us, but to the Lord. Verse 18 goes on from that same passage in 1 Corinthians. Flee sexual immorality. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Paul's point again and again in the New Testament is your body is a temple. Not not just your heart, not just your mind, uh, not some kind of spiritual concept is a temple. No, you, your body, your very body is a temple of God. God didn't put his spirit above you like a, like a cloud outside of you. And the Holy Spirit does fill the earth, so he is out there too. I, I don't mean that, but he didn't just put his spirit like out there, like a cloud above you. He put his spirit inside your body. And that makes your body a holy place for you to do holy things with and means that you are not to do unholy things with. And that's why Paul said in, in Ephesians 5, 3, but among you, he's talking to believers, he's talking to the church, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Again and again, the New Testament reminds us we are holy ones. We are holy people. We're a holy nation. We are saints, and that affects what we do with our body in every area of, of life. Now, already this morning I've mentioned the term sec- sexual immorality a few times, and it's right here again in Ephesians 5.3. There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Uh, sexual immorality, or this term that's used for it, is an all-inclusive term that includes All sexual sin, sex outside of marriage, sex before marriage, homosexuality, pornography, any kind of fornication, any kind of sexual deviation from what God has said is wholly good and what He has commanded. Now, before we go any further into this, I felt it's really important uh, to remind ourselves Of something that Paul said. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ saves sinners. That's people who have committed all kinds of sin, including sexual sins. Christ forgives our sexual sins. And very few, if any, have escaped some degree of sexual sin at some time. So it's good for us to be reminded of that and what Paul said in Romans 4, 7, and 8. Blessed or how happy are those whose lawless acts are forgiven. Uh, Those whose sins of every kind, including sexual sins, are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. And so through through simply repenting and turning our eyes upon Christ and placing our faith in Christ, all of our sins are covered, paid for, never to be held against us. So, we we need to keep that in mind uh, when we address all areas of morality, but I, I think particularly this area of sexual purity. But, we also see clearly that Christ came to release us from actually committing sexual sins. This is where the book of Proverbs comes in. It warns us that all sexual immorality is foolish and leads to calamity. And it shows us the blessing and the safety, the, the happiness, the enjoyment of following God's wisdom for sexual purity. So this morning we're going to focus on uh, what I'm going to call Proverbs strategy for dealing with sexual sin or sexual temptation. I'm going to focus a lot of this morning from chapter 5 that Lonnie read for us. But as with most of the topics that we get into in Proverbs, we will select a core passage or group of verses and then we will draw other verses, other chapters, other scriptures from the book of Proverbs to uh, that, that give additional input or instruction on that. The first strategy uh, for dealing with sexual temptation is to listen to God's word and highly value his instructions or commandments regarding this area of sexuality and I'm going to come back to chapter five really quick because it says the same thing but chapter seven verses one through five puts it so beautifully I just got to put that right here my son keep my words and treasure up my commands within you keep my commandments and live keep my teaching as the apple of your eye Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. They will keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. So the instruction here is uh, keep the word of God. Treasure it. uh, Make it the apple of your eye. Bind it around your fingers. uh, write Write it on the tablet of your heart because this will keep you from stumbling into sexual sin with someone who is forbidden to you. Only the word of God, loved and treasured within you, will protect you from sexual sin. Why? Because temptations are very deceptive. Temptations, sexual temptations are very alluring and very deceptive. And the book of Proverbs makes, makes this so clear. And... Sometime outside of uh, church, here I would highly recommend that everybody, every single teenager on up, would read Proverbs one through chapter nine because it's just that's the emphasis over and over and over and over again. And the Word of God treasured in your heart will protect you. Again. Sexual temptations are so deceptive, so seductive, so alluring. Chapter 5, we'll come back to, to our chapter that we just read this morning. Chapter 5, 1 through 3. My son, be attentive to my wisdom, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Uh, the forbidden woman literally, it literally means strange woman. Uh, She's a woman you're not married to, a woman you have no right to be with without the bond of marriage. She is not yours, yet she can make a relationship with her sound so sweet. Uh, Over in Proverbs 7, verse 13, it says, She seizes him and kisses him, and with a bold face she says, I've perfumed my bed. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. And with much seductive speech she persuades him, and all at once he follows her, as an ox goes to the slaughter. If you wander away from the Word of God and you're not hearing it, your life isn't exposed to it, you're not thinking about it, reading it, thinking about it, placing a very high value and priority on it, you become such easy prey for the devil. Uh, Only by loving God's truth and continual exposure to God's truth, are you able to see the lie of sin and the misery of sin and guard yourself from it? So, in a practical application uh, to everybody, singles, married, young, old, stay in church where the word of God is taught and loved and listened to. uh, Treasure God's word. Think about it, read it, make it just an integral part of your life and your and your mindset. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Set your mind on the things of God. The words of God. All right. The second strategy f- uh, in Proverbs for dealing with sexual sin is to uh, to set before our eyes the terrible price of sexual sin. All of these warnings and all of these terrible outcomes that talk that, that, that Proverbs talk about that come from being seduced from stumbling and falling in this area, they're they're meant to to set right before our face (laughs) the terrible outcomes that come from sexual sin. Chapter 5, verse 4, again, our chapter for this morning, verse 4, the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. Uh, Wormwood is an extremely bitter herb Uh, The Greeks called it undrinkable, unedible. In the end, that forbidden relationship is bitter as wormwood. Casual sex, immoral sex of any kind may have temporary pleasure, but in the end it's bitter and painful. That's what God says in the book of Proverbs. Verse 4 goes on. She is sharp as a two-edged sword. She is... Double sharp, sharp on both edges. She will cut you or kill you. Uh, Her sweet perfume and the sweet promise of pleasure covers up the blade. Uh, But you'll end up hurt, wounded, spiritually, morally destroyed. Verse 5 and 6, Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. Uh, The path of sexual sin can lead to spiritual, even physical death over in in Proverbs chapter 6 verse 32 it's just even more direct he who commits adultery lacks sense he who does it destroys himself in our society and I've even heard people who claim to be believers say something like this well we love each other, and if we love each other, it doesn't matter what we do. We're not hurting anybody else. But you are. Sexual sin is a sin against God, foremost. It's a sin against the body of Christ. You're sinning, it's a sin against the family of God. And it wages war against your own soul. And Paul emphasized that there is something Especially harmful and wrong about sexual sin, he said. Other sins a man or a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. First Corinthians, that's First Corinthians six eighteen. Sexual sin destroys on many levels, so many levels, uh, the guilt wages war against your soul it weighs heavy on your conscience you begin living a lie covering up living in fear of getting caught you you lose your confidence before God and where marriage is involved where it's where it's a sin of, uh, of adultery then you know so often it destroys the marriage in the home and damages the kids it's just so much so much a destruction wrought by sexual sin and no matter how common sexual sin is today, according to the Word of God, it is still a blot on your reputation and honor. Proverbs 6.33, he will get wounds and dishonor and his disgrace will not be wiped away. I don't want to push this, you know, onto other people, but if you're in the the no, I'll say, in what's going on in the church at large. You just just look at the reproach that so many uh, celebrity pastors, and you could say just pastors, but it just is so well known that so many pastors in these huge churches bring reproach on themselves and on Christ and on the church when they're caught in sexual sin. Again, going back to our chapter, chapter 5, verse 14, talks about, in the first person, about someone caught in this, uh, this uh, sexual sin or adultery. And it says, verse five fourteen says, I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Wow. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Yes. Yes, there's forgiveness for all and for pastors, but they've lost something precious. They've lost They've they've lost what Paul ca- calls a life above reproach. Going back to Proverbs 7, it describes this uh, sad progression and temptation down to the 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 end result of misery and destruction. And in chapter seven, it's an incredibly eloquent passage. Uh, that wow, I think if you read it, it would just uh, make you shudder and say, "I don't ever want to do that. I don't ever want to fall into that sin." But in the in chapter seven, uh, wisdom again here, as we've seen earlier in Proverbs, earlier in Proverbs, wisdom is personified, and wisdom looks out the window of her house. And she sees a young man. And it says, she sees that this young man is lacking sense. And he's passing along the street near her corner. And behold, the strange woman, a woman, meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She seizes him and kisses him. And with a bold face, she says to him, come, let us take our fill of love till morning. which With much seductive speech. She persuades him and with her smooth talk she compels him. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. He does not know that it will cost him his life. And then the very end uh, of this story in chapter 7 verses 26 and 27 says, gives us Proverbs or God's really commentary on this. Many a victim... She has laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. I don't know how God could make it any more clear that sexual sin is a bad thing and ends in misery and tragedy in so many ways. It is the lie of the devil that sexual sin is harmless. And God seeks to spare us from the heartache of sexual immorality by telling us the ugly or the terrible end results. The third strategy Proverbs gives us for dealing with sexual sin is to flee, uh, to run, to stay away. Uh, Proverbs 5, verse 8, keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Proverbs 7.25 O oh sons, listen to me. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. Several years ago I met with a young couple and the husband uh, the husband's Habitual pornography was destroying their marriage, uh, but it was clear from talking to him that he viewed it more as of just a problem. He did view it as a problem, but he viewed it as more of just a problem that he and his wife had to work through and live with, and and they had for a long time. But she was at the end and said, "This this this is destroying our home," and she, she's the one that actually forced the meeting and brought brought her husband to me. So I said. So I said, if because of his attitude toward this, I said, if you were raping women or robbing Casey's stores every night, would you expect me to tell you just to keep doing it, only try to do it less often? No. I said, go home and determine before God and your wife, you will never look at it again. You died with Christ, and he who has died is freed from sin. Flee. From this sin, like you would flee from a building that is on fire. You can't get away from any sin by accommodating it, by hanging around it, by you can't get away from any sin by thinking uh, I'm going to do I'm going to do it less. <laughs> Jesus said, "Go and sin no more." And and we do stumble and fall. I'm not saying that, but that can't be your uh, your kind of beginning frame of mind. Well, I'm just going to do this less. (laughs) John said, I write these things to you so that you will not sin or so you may not sin. Of course, we know, praise God, that when we do sin, we have an advocate with Jesus Christ, the righteous. But you can't get away from any sin by just sort of cozying up to it and Viewing it is not that bad. It's a problem, and I just have to work, work through it. And it's going to maybe always, it's always going to be something I struggle with. I, I think that's a terrible attitude to have, and I don't find that in the Bible at all. Proverbs six uh, verses twenty seven and twenty eight: Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So it's foolish to. Think uh, I'm only going to do this for a little while, or I'm only going to look at this for a little bit, or or we'll only go so far, but we won't actually sin. You know, Proverbs says, "Flee, run! Uh, don't go even near the place of sin or a place that you might sin. Don't say I'll go to her house and spend the night, but we won't do anything wrong." A man who used to go to real life church many years ago uh, talked his wife into letting a woman friend of his uh, move in with them and live in their basement. And that was very foolish. And he committed adultery with her, broke up his home, destroyed his relationship with his kids. Flee. Run. Run. Just like you'd run from a burning building, do n- stay far from her. Do not go near her house. Do not go near any place where you would be tempted to sin. So if yeah, I pray that this isn't true, but if anyone here this morning is in a sinful relationship or even flirting with someone, inappropriately, or having romantic feelings towards someone who is not your wife or not your husband, I urge you to deal drastically with it, starting right now, this morning. Uh, break it today. Do not go near her. Flee sexual immorality. The fourth strategy uh, for dealing with s- sexual s- temptation is, uh, is for the married. Uh, to the married, God's wisdom is to enjoy pleasures within marriage with your own spouse. I'm going to read uh, verses 15 through 20 again of Proverbs chapter 5. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always with her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Very clearly, very simply, that scripture says a man is to go to his own wife alone Uh, for sexual enjoyment. Verses 18 and 19, let your own fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Uh, Your own fountain is your own wife. Uh, One of the old Bible commentators, John Gill, said, let thy fountain be blessed, thy wife. Make her happy by keeping to her and from others. By behaving in a loving, affable, and respectful manner to her, by living comfortably with her and providing well for her and her children, reckon her a happiness, your happiness, a blessing that God has bestowed on you. Just by the fact that this is written to, to men, I think it communicates that men, we have the greater responsibility to, to, to cultivate Blessing, enjoyment, pleasure with our wives in our marriage. Uh, But both husband and wife have a responsibility to make the marriage relationship enjoyable, including the sexual relationship. It's dangerous to deprive one another of this God-given pleasure within marriage. And Paul pretty much says exactly that in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So, the big idea of chapter 5, if, there, if I could kind of just step back from what's written here, maybe look at a, at, a, at a bigger principle that we see here. The bigger principle of chapter 5 is to fight against sexual sin by focusing on the legitimate pleasure in marriage that God has given to a husband and wife. So, how does this work for single people? Well, in a similar way, in a similar way, Paul reminded those with the gift of singleness that you have certain freedoms and pleasures. You have the the freedom and the pleasure of undivided attention to the Lord. You can focus more single-heartedly, single-mindedly on knowing and enjoying and serving the Lord. Paul adds also that you'll have less trouble in this life as a single person. And so he encourages single people to, to focus on those things. So both married and single people fight the temptation of sexual sin by rejoicing in or focusing on the, the legitimate Blessings and pleasures of your own God-given situation. In other words, you, you look at and enjoy what God has given you. You don't turn your focus on things that are illegitimate for you in your, in your situation in life. And that brings me to what I'm going to say... Uh, is the ultimate safeguard for sexual temptation. And although this may not just come right out of chapter 5, it's the overall message of the Bible, and we see it clearly emphasized in the New Testament. So the ultimate safeguard for sexual temptation is to know and enjoy God. There is nothing... Better in life than to have a sense that you are friends with God and are in jo- joy fellowship with God. Nothing is better than His, His presence and to be filled with His Spirit. You know, peace with God is better than any pleasure life offers. Psalm 107.9 The Lord satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. You know, the the battle against sin, all sin, but this morning we're focused on sexual sin. The battle against sin is a battle over what we believe will give us joy, pleasure, and satisfaction. And when you truly believe that God will do that, it will set you free from fear from going after that which is forbidden to you. People fall into sexual temptation because they're looking for something to fill up the empty places in their soul. They're looking for something to finally make them happy. And they turn so often to forbidden love and forbidden sex, but it, it doesn't work. There's temporary pleasure in sin, the Bible says, but it doesn't satisfy their hearts. Only Christ can satisfy your soul and make you whole. I think there's a song that says something like that, but it, that rhymes. But it's a good thing to remember. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul and make you whole. Uh, Jesus said, John six thirty five. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's that's where we go. Um, for true deep heart satisfaction. And it, it, it um, helps us live lives free from stumbling into sin. So the ultimate solution to all sin is to be filled with Jesus Christ. And the way that Jesus fills you is through the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul said, do not get drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit. Paul could have said, do not commit sexual sin, but be filled with the Spirit. He could have put any sin in there. Don't do this, don't do that, but be filled with the Spirit. The big reason people fall into sexual sin, any sin, I believe is because they are not walking in and enjoying the infilling of God's Spirit Galatians 5 16, I say to you, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. A heart filled with the Spirit will be a heart guarded from sexual sin. All right, I want to close this morning by uh, reading a New Testament passage. It's, it's uh, from 1 Thessalonians 4 3 through 8. And this would be a great passage for all of us to know. Uh, it would be a great passage for young men and young women to know, uh, to read, study, maybe memorize. Certainly, certainly receive it. But it's for all of us. First Corinthians or First Thessalonians four three through eight. For it is God's will that you should be holy. You must abstain from sexual immorality. Each of you must know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. And no one should ever violate or exploit his brother in this regard because the Lord will avenge all such acts as we have already told you and solemnly warned you for God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness. Anyone then who rejects this command does not reject man, but God, the very one who gives you his Holy Spirit. Amen? You know, most often we bring glory to God by something that we do. We do something for somebody, we worship him, uh, we pray, we sing. Uh, we, we, we do an act of love or service. We serve the Lord by serving others. We, we, we most often glorify God by something we do. But you know what? And this is really important. We also glorify God by what we do not do. We worship God by abstaining from sexual immoralities. Or as Paul said, controlling our own body in holiness. That is a key way. It's one of the main ways that we show that we belong to Christ and that we love Him. So, uh, young person, uh, single person, married person, uh, glorify God by keeping yourself in the path of sexual purity. This is God's wisdom. And and it's God's protection and his path of blessing for you. Let's pray.